Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back. It has been quite a few days since I recorded the two-part series called Taking the Stairs, but I've been thinking a lot about it ever since. There was one particular thing that we brought into the second part that I would like to elaborate on today, specifically the part about who you choose to surround yourself with and how big a factor that is on who you become. Even for me in the last 10 days since I recorded that second episode, there have been conversations that I have had with people, with believers people whom I trust, people who care about me. And those conversations have been incredibly impactful for me. In some ways, my mind has been changed on some things. In other ways, I feel more courageous about what I know matters. Today, we are really going to explore the power of a Christian community. And unapologetically, I will be talking to you about the importance of a local church family not just identifying with a church, but in this waning COVID period, actually going and physically being in the presence of fellow believers. And more than just worshiping with them, getting there early and having conversations with them, staying afterwards and hearing them, having coffee with someone who you trust, who can tell you you need to do things and you will listen. Opening up your home, yes, once again, in America, opening up our homes so that we can explore deeper relationships, learn more than just token facts and figures, and become powerful influences in our faith and walk. It has really become clear to me that the largest steps I've been able to take, to reference our previous figure, have come on the heels of candid conversations with people whose faith inspires me. And even in the last few days, I was at someone's home where there were 80 Christians gathered. Last night, there were 50 young believers at our house. And there were things shared there. There were connections made that will change the nature of our worship, that will change the way we understand each other's needs. There can never be There will never be a replacement for believers coming to the same location and sharing in their fellowship. Whether we're talking about worship as an extension of our fellowship, or enjoying a meal at someone's home, or just standing face-to-face sharing things with one another. We are stronger together. The devil can pick us apart one by one. If we are separated from each other because of fear, it is then that we have someone to be afraid of. If we have replaced real interaction with digital interaction of every kind, which oftentimes 
doesn't even involve conversation, just consumption of information, the devil will overpower each of us. Okay, to help with all of that, I want to give you a mental picture, an example today to use all week long. But first, to set that up, let me tell you a little bit about the last two weeks. Taking the stairs is a very simple idea. It is getting out of bed every morning saying, today I will do some challenging things. I will take the harder road. I may not want to, but I need to. And if I can be that kind of person, I can get to places I really want to go, places where very few people ever arrive. We explored in the second episode last week how there are three different entities, three people who make that possible for you. And of course, the first one is you. No amount of external encouragement can change a person who does not want to be changed. Not even God will alter a person's pathway from where they choose to walk. So it starts with you going, you know, I've been taking the easy way. I've been lazy. I've been letting things drift. I am ready to skip some elevators and take some stairs. There were three words we introduced that I hope are helpful for you. Mindfulness, intentionality, and direction. Every day when you leave the house, whatever it is you're working on, maybe it's something physical, or maybe it's one of those qualities from 2 Peter 1, keep it on your mind. Write it in your journal. Put it in your prayers. And then be intentional. On purpose, make choices that service that thing. It doesn't matter how small the decision is, if it's an option and it moves you in that direction, then take it. And then we talked about direction where you have this vision of a better you in the future or maybe someone you look up to and you have this great optimistic goal of getting there. But then there is a second entity involved and we finished with this last time. It's God. Sometimes God will fill your schedule with stairs. He will make sure all of the escalators are broken. He will put you in positions providentially where the hard road is the only road available to you because God knows you need it and God knows you can do it and God is shaping you. And instead of lamenting that he has not produced some easy pathway, we need to be appreciative that he is creating this environment in our lives wherein we can even count it all joy when we endure such things knowing that it will bring about this great result that we never thought possible. But today, it's that other entity that I want to focus on with you, and that is the people in and around your life. We gave you this imagery of stairs last week, and you need friends around you, friends that you trust, friends that you will listen to, who might say, let's take these stairs together. Or maybe they're already at the top of the stairs saying, if I can do it, you can do it. Or sometimes they don't have the same challenges you do. So they're at the bottom of the stairs telling you, I've got to stay here, but you will hear me cheering you on with every step you take. I mentioned to you that we did an episode in the second month of this podcast in 2019 called Your Inner Circle, where you need people near you who make you better. Specifically today, you need believers in your life. You need to see their faces, hear their voices, speak to them, worship with them, know them, and there is simply no substitute for that. So today, to help drive that point home and help you remember it, I just want to use the next 10 minutes talking to you about zebras, 
particularly their stripes. Simple question. Why do zebras have stripes? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what's that about? You can visualize a zebra. You know what they look like. Black and white stripes up and down. That pattern is very distinct. It is unique to them, and you can make that out from a long distance. But what is odd about that is that they live in eastern and southern Africa, in the grasslands, in the fields. The terrain around them is green, brown, and yellow. There are not a lot of tall, skinny, black trees that they can mix in with. There's just these black and white striped creatures standing out in a brown field. Interesting side note here, their number one predator is the lion. The lion is what color? Different shades of brown. The lion looks like the world. The zebra does not. All right, after that statement, I'm tempted to just bust into application because you've got to know where this is going. But let's get back to our question, and then we'll do that at the end. What's the deal with the stripes? If you do some Google work on that, you will find that animal scientists have come up with three possible answers. Two of them have a little less to do with our point today, so I'll make them first. Some scientists argue that the stripes and the pattern on the body do help them camouflage in certain terrains in Africa. But I have to tell you, I looked at tons of pictures and I don't see it. Not sure where that's coming from, but I'm going to toss that one out. They do not look like the world around them. The second possibility is a bit more popular in science circles, and it has to do with flies. Mosquitoes and flies that carry disease, and they surmise that the pattern is disorienting to insects, and they land on them less frequently. There were all kinds of tests done. We don't have a ton of zebras in captivity, so they just took zebra patterns and laid them over the backs of horses and studied fly frequency. They discovered that the flies swarmed the animal the same as always, but they landed on them less often. I probably could make some spiritual application from that one, but I'm just going to skip it also. It's at this point that you might be saying to yourself, look, Chris, God made them that way. That's all we need to know. And that's certainly true. He did do that. But why did he do that? And why has it worked? It seems like it would not work that lions would have taken out all of the zebras a long time ago. Do zebras have souls and God has supernaturally protected them? I don't think so. So there is something that is happening in the natural world. And that leads me to my official answer on why zebras have stripes. I first heard about this in an interview on YouTube with Jordan Peterson. He is a clinical psychologist that has written books like 12 Rules for Life, and I've referenced him quite a bit in the last three years. I did a little research on his suggestion, and I agree. Here's the conclusion. Zebras have stripes that make them distinct from the world around them. And so long as a zebra is on its own, it will become dinner. They simply cannot survive on their own. They stick out everywhere that they go. However, when they are in a herd, when the zebras physically and literally stick together, something interesting happens. Obviously, a big glob of zebras stick out like unbelievably in the terrain, but through the eyes of the lion, all of those stripes 
globbed together, create this large, confusing mass that disorients the predator, the lion. Even though the lion is probably colorblind, that pattern, all amassed together, makes it impossible for him to pick out just one. He can't even see the definition of one animal because they all mix and blend together. And so while he is stronger than any one zebra, probably stronger than any half dozen zebras, he will not approach the herd. He doesn't know how. He has no confidence. He just needs to wait until one of them is alone. Jordan Peterson's conclusion is that we are herd creatures. And I think he's probably referencing all humans, that it is in our best interest to draw together with people who share our values and become something together, literally and actually in association with each other, so that the enemy, whatever he or it might be, cannot distinguish one of us from the other. There is just the body, the group, and there is safety in that. Can you please understand the significance of this with me? The Bible is very clear that the devil is the lion. The devil cannot devour the group. The devil can do no damage under the support system of people together. So he is seeking one to devour. He needs to find that person. Notice their outline that is not blending in any way with others like him and take him out. For us as Christians, this figure goes a little further. We are black and white stripes in a brown world. It's green, it's yellow, it's brown, it's natural. It looks just like the devil. The devil looks like the world and the world like the devil. And then there's you, different, unique, inexplicably so. Why are Christians like this? Scientists just can't figure it out. But I know why. Because it has been God's design that we be different from this world. It is not our will to mix in. To avoid the devil's attacks because we look just enough like the world that he can't find us or get us. Oh no. You must be different from this world from the inside out. From the way you think and feel and also speak and act. So the devil can find you anywhere. You will stick out because of who you are. So, it is all the more important that we create a body, a unity, an association where the devil cannot get you. He can't make you out in that group. You don't stick out in that group. It is a large, significant collection of people who are strong together. Is the devil stronger than you by yourself? I believe the answer is yes. Same is true for me. So maybe we shouldn't always be by ourselves. Maybe we need to be more like the zebra. Well, how does that work? You know, I already said it at the beginning. God's people need God's people. We need to be with God's people. We have to work our way through the fear. We have to work our way through low self-confidence or guilt or whatever it might be because all of those weaknesses will make us easy prey on our own to the workings of the devil. We need to be at church. We need to be building relationships at church. 
We need to be meeting with Christians outside of church. I need to be having conversations with, sitting down and enjoying coffee with, and being honest with fellow believers who will work with me, who care about me, who don't want me to be on my own. I've always found it to be the saddest thing about living outside of Christ that there are so many people in this world who are alone, who move to a new city and they know no one and they have no help. But sometimes I wonder if Christians aren't behaving that same way, even though we do have fellow believers, but we don't spend time with them and we don't open up our homes to them and we try to go it alone. Christianity is not designed to lead to strength on your own. You have to be willing to accept that. I can visualize this zebra who's a loner. He doesn't want to stick with the group. He gets anxiety amongst the group. He just wants to be by himself. He won't be for long. I just had the honor last night of teaching a handful of young adults about Acts chapter 2. And once the people were in fellowship, there were three things that they started to do. They began to worship together frequently. They started to discover one another's needs and began to make self-sacrifice to fulfill them. And they were spending time eating meals together, house to house, becoming something more, something stronger, the body of Christ. Let me just add in this last minute that we also need to be careful about digital replacement. You say, well, I don't really go to church, but I watch it online. I don't spend a lot of time face-to-face with Christians. They're not around my kitchen table, but I do private message them occasionally or send a text. Listen, technology builds the illusion of togetherness through distant communication. Those things can be good, but imagine if zebras had cell phones and they said, let's stop sticking together. We don't need to be in a group. This can allow us a lot more independence. Let's be sure and text every week or so. If a few of you decide to have a meeting to talk about strategy, I'll live stream it from over here on my own. If zebras had technology and used it in that way, the only difference between that and totally going it alone is that lions would have to learn how to digest cell phones. That's about it. Zebras are creatures made by God to work together. And that is how they use their glaring difference with the world to defeat the adversary and live. So this week, I want you to think about Christians, your relationship with them, your need for them, their need for you, and the strength that can be had when you are together. And if there is any part of you that still wants to stay away and go it alone, then just remember the zebra stripes. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today, in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.